Hey everybody, this is Matt and welcome to another Christmas Fun Pod. One of the things I miss now that my kids are older is Christmas pageants. Now, at the time, I didn't like them at all. I thought they were boring and, you know, but as I get older, I start to miss them. Kids would put together a Christmas program. It would be one part hysterical, one part cuteness, and one part mayhem, and one part awe. I remember one program in particular. It was when my oldest was in first grade. It had all the parts. Kid dressed up in ridiculously cute costumes of animals. There was mayhem, and the kids would not do what the teacher wanted them to do. There was hysteria. And, of course, I came from my child. And during the first couple of the songs, she was playing with her dress. And then about halfway through, she just lifted it up from the bottom over her face and basically showed her entire front to everyone in the audience. And my wife turns to me hysterically laughing and said, that's definitely your daughter. And I just face palmed and thought, yeah, that's mine. But the all moment came when she was supposed to sing a duet with someone, but they were sick. And so she did a solo. And it was the only one definitely not planned. And she belted it out without lifting up her dress, which I was immensely happy for. <laughs> and it was definitely the all moment of the show. And I love that about Christmas. So if you're forced to go to one of those shows and you're not going to enjoy it, you know what? Enjoy it because they don't stay young and cute forever. They grow up to become teenagers. And that's where the fun ends. <laughs> anyway. So how has this Christmas season been going for you? Getting to do your favorite things yet? Don't miss Christmas. You may think, how is it possible to miss Christmas in these days? Christmas is the most advertised and commercialized holiday in the world. Nothing else even comes close to the amount of attention Christmas gets. It gets an entire month. It's the most anticipated holiday. It's the most celebrated holiday of the year. You would think it'd be hard to miss Christmas. Because for the last month, you've been face-to-face -face with decorations, Christmas lighting, Christmas parties, Christmas cards, Christmas carols, Christmas hymns in every store, Christmas gifts, Christmas shopping, Christmas carols, Christmas pageant, Christmas parties, and on and on and on and on. How in the world would anybody ever miss Christmas in this day and age? Most of all, you've been bombarded constantly with Christmas TV specials, Christmas advertisements, is it possible even to miss Christmas? And the answer is yes. You can miss it for the same three reasons most people miss Christmas on that very first one. The same three reasons they miss Christmas most people did then, we do today. And in this part, we're going to look at three common reasons people miss Christmas. They don't get the benefit really of it. They don't understand the blessing of it and they know what happens. They just don't know the benefits of it. Then I want us to look at how can you ensure that you don't miss this Christmas. So let's look at that. Three reasons why people miss Christmas are found in the very first Christmas story. Number one, busyness. Busyness is the first reason that we can miss Christmas. This, by the way, was the innkeeper's mistake at the very first Christmas. You know the story. In the last week of her pregnancy, Mary and Joseph have to go to their hometown of Bethlehem. They live in a little city called Nazareth in Israel. And they have to go to their hometown called Bethlehem for the taxation, for the census by the Roman government. And when they get there, as they get to Bethlehem, Mary goes into labor. Her water breaks. She's ready to deliver. And Joseph tries to check her into the local Hampton Inn. And the innkeeper is like, sorry, no vacancies. We're all filled up. 
Luke 2, 7 tells it like this. So Mary gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger. By the way, what's a manger? A manger is simply an old English word for a feeding trough. That's all it is. It's like a bucket or a basket or a wooden box that you would put grain in for cows and donkeys and other livestock. So when Mary lays her baby in a manger, it ain't something fancy. It's not like those nativity scenes where it's this beautiful little special little, you know, cradle. No, 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 no. It's a feeding trough and it probably still had food at the bottom, which was pretty gross. And the verse continues because there was no room for them in the inn. From the innkeeper's perspective, this is actually a good thing because his business is booming. If you own a hotel, you want it sold out. You want no vacancy. You want zero empty rooms. He's thinking this is great. Business is good. This Christmas, of course, it wasn't Christmas yet, but it's going good. They're having the census. A lot of out-of-towners have come back to town and they're looking for a place to stay. And he's all booked up. So it's good news for him. He has no use for the little baby or this pregnant woman. And he has certainly no idea who he is snubbing. The point is this. Busyness with his own business caused him to miss the greatest opportunity of his life. The Son of God was going to be born in his inn. Can you imagine the PR power of that? You could put up a sign, Son of God, born here, and you would be sold out for the rest of your life. And he missed it. Literally the greatest opportunity. God was coming to earth in human form. He could have been a part of that. He could have been a part of history, but he missed it. And the stable took its place. You, so the question is, are you too busy with the busyness to make room for Jesus this Christmas? And I'm not talking about your house. I'm talking about your schedule. I'm talking about your thoughts. I'm talking about your time, your budget, your plans. Are you so busy with everything else you don't have any room? There's no room for Jesus in your life, in your heart, and in your mind. You could be so busy with Christmas, you miss meeting God, and he's being born right next door in a stable, and you're just not a part of it. That's the first reason people miss Christmas. Busyness. We're just too busy. Now, the second reason people miss Christmas is familiarity. What I mean by that is you're so familiar with Christmas, it doesn't inspire you anymore. It doesn't cause any awe. It doesn't amaze you. You've heard it all. You celebrated Christmas your entire life. You know the story of Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus. You know the story of the shepherds and the wise men. You know the story of the angels singing glory to God in the highest. You know you've been there, done that. You know the songs. You know the traditions. You're jaded. You're bored. You lack enthusiasm. And really... Your whole attitude toward Christmas has become, oh, um, you can become so familiar with something, it doesn't amaze you anymore. You miss the beauty because you think you understand it and you take it for granted. You see it, but you don't do anything about it. This mistake, the mistake of familiarity, was the mistake of another group of people that first Christmas. That's the religious leaders of Jerusalem. It's interesting to me that God has come to earth in human form, the Son of God is being born, and not a single religious person is invited. Not one priest, not one scribe, not one theologian, not one philosopher. None of them are invited to the party. They all missed it because they're so familiar with the story. The Bible tells us that the wise men from the east had seen some kind of star. Now, we don't know actually what that was. They were in the east, and they started to head towards the direction, towards Israel. 
And they looked up all the prophecies and they knew that the Savior of the world was to be born in Israel, but they didn't know where. We don't know who these wise men were. We don't even know what country they were from. Some people think it could be from the Far East, like China or India. Some people think they're from the Middle East. Some people think they're from Saudi Arabia. We really don't know. All we know is that they were scholars, wise men who studied the stars, astrologers even, that they paid attention to. And when they saw something unusual, they went to check it out. And that's kind of what made them wise. So these wise men go on this long journey from some faraway place to Jerusalem. And they ask for a meeting with the king because they're famous themselves. So they go to King Herod of Israel. So he has a meeting with them. They walk in. The first question they ask is, where is the savior of the world? The Messiah, the anointed one, the son of God. Where is the baby supposed to be born? Herod will come back to him in a minute. He hasn't the foggiest idea. King of Israel, he doesn't know diddly about this. So he calls in in the middle of the night, all the religious leaders and scholars of Jerusalem. And he has them all come together and says, okay, let's go over this. There's a king of the Jews going to be born around here. Where is he going to be born? When? And he asks all these questions. And the religious scholars know exactly what he's talking about. They know about this for hundreds of years. They've been discussing it, debating it, detailing it, dissecting it. And the Bible says it like this. In Matthew 2, King Herod called a meeting of all the leading priests and teachers of the law and asked them where the Christ would be born. They answered, in the town of Bethlehem in Judea. The prophet Micah wrote about this in the scriptures. I want you to know some interesting things here. See, a lot of people in Israel at this time were familiar with what was about to happen. They knew. They had been waiting for hundreds of years for the Savior to be born. He had been promised. They knew exactly where he was going to be born. Micah chapter 5, verse 4. The Messiah, the Son of God, the Savior of the world will be born in Bethlehem. They knew all the details. But even though they knew all the details, they were very familiar with what we're talking about they're unimpressed they're unconcerned they've been talking about it for hundreds of years so they don't care to go check it out themselves they've seen it all before here's the outstanding thing foreign dignitaries came a long distance maybe all the way from the far east we don't know come all the way to israel and then they ask for a private meeting with the king and the king calls up the religious scholars Ask him for information. There's this unusual star in the sky. And none of these religious scholars cared enough to even go to Bethlehem to check it out. Do you know how far Bethlehem is from Jerusalem? Take a guess. How far? What do you think? 30, 40, 50 miles? No, five miles. They wouldn't even go five miles. How long does it take you to go five miles on foot? They were so familiar with it. They would rather debate the Savior than go see the Savior. That's jaded. That's apathetic. That's unconcerned. The familiarity, the lack of curiosity is stunning. I mean, this can happen to you. You've grown up in church all your life. You studied the Bible for many years. You've gone to church. You've heard the Christmas story over and over and over. You're jaded and you can miss it. You think I've seen it all for background for centuries. They've been waiting for the Savior. But there's no room in their theology for God to actually show up. All they wanted to do was debate. You see, Jesus is not about religion. He's about a relationship. Jesus came for the opposite of religion. He said, you don't need rules, regulations, rituals, and restrictions. What you need is to restore your relationship to God. And that's why what he came to do. 
He came to die on a cross for our sins and rise again three days later to show death has no hold on him. And all we do is to call out through God, through Jesus. And what he's done, ask for forgiveness and he grants it. He restores that relationship with God, with us, by paying the penalty for our sins and giving us his righteousness. And then God sees us as his children. He gives us his Holy Spirit. And you need that. You need the friendship of God. God in the flesh, Emmanuel. God with us so you can get to know him without all those other customs. What had happened is that over the centuries, as they kept waiting for the Savior of the world, the sacrificial lamb, to take all the sins, as prophesied in Isaiah, to show up, they started to add a lot of traditions. More and more traditions and traditions and traditions. And then by the time that Jesus arrives, people are paying more attention to the traditions than they are to God. Does that sound familiar? We have so many traditions around Christmas now, and they keep adding on. There's Santa Claus. There's Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. There's Frosty the Snowman. There's Elf on a Shelf, which I never got into. But I might get into this next one that just came out. Snoop on a Stoop. Snoop Dogg making his way into Christmas. They keep adding new traditions, new traditions and more traditions. They're just piling on. Let's make this a tradition. But we forget the reason for the season. Why God sent his son to earth. What big difference does it make? If you don't know that, then you're no better than these religious leaders of 2,000 years ago when he would who wouldn't walk five miles from Jerusalem to Bethlehem to check it out. I mean, at walking speed, five miles, you could do it in an hour and a half at a leisurely pace. Today, a lot of intelligent people will participate in every one of the Christmas traditions. They'll put up lights. They'll have parties. They'll send cards. They'll light a Christmas tree. They'll give gifts. They'll do every single tradition, you know, but they'll have no concern for checking out why we do this stuff in the first place so that God could have a relationship with you and you could have a relationship with God. And if you miss that, then you've missed Christmas. Even if you put up the tree and the nativity set, you can put up Christmas lights and still be in the dark. Ephesians 4.18 says their minds are in the dark and they are stubborn. So they've missed out on the life that comes from God. They just don't get it. Why? Because we're too busy and we're too familiar. There's a third reason why people miss Christmas. The day after Jesus was born, it wasn't a headline. It wasn't in the paper. It wasn't on the internet. Nobody announced it. Most people missed it 2,000 years ago, and they missed it because of fear. Fear is a third thing that will cause you to miss the true meaning of Christmas. And it's a sad fact that some people actually fear Christmas. They're afraid of it. That's why they fight it. They fight Christmas. They fight the nativity scene. It's why they oppose it. It's why they do lawsuits against it. Because they're afraid of the message of Christmas. This, by the way, was not the innkeeper's problem, nor was it the religious people's problem. It was King Herod's problem. Herod was pretty crazy. He's the king of Israel, but he's actually a Roman citizen. He's actually an Arab. He's not Jewish. He had come in to take over, take the city of Jerusalem, appoint himself as king. And the Jews hated Herod. He was an Arab working under the Roman authority to suppress the Jews. But the thing about Herod was he was paranoid. He was a little crazy, maybe sick in the head, not sure. 
He was afraid of Christmas because he was afraid of anybody who might threaten his kingdom, who might threaten his reign, who might depose him as king of the Jews. He was so paranoid. Let me explain this. Anybody who got close to him, he thought might overthrow him. He had his wife killed because he thought she might overthrow him. He had his mother killed because he thought she might overthrow him. He had two of his sons killed early on in his life because he thought they might. He had his brother-in-law killed. Five days before Harry died, he had the rest of his children who were in the area killed because he didn't want any of them to succeed him. He had all kind of prominent Jews in the nation of Israel rounded up and put in prison. And he said, the moment I die, I want you to kill all of them because I know that when I die, nobody's going to weep over my death. But when they die, people will weep over them. So somebody will be weeping on the day I die. I think he was a little nuts. When the wise men show up from however far they came, India, China, Saudi Arabia, somewhere over there. He went ballistic because he heard king of the Jews. He goes nuclear. We got to find this guy. So in an attempt to wipe out all the competition, Herod makes a rule that says every baby born in Bethlehem in two years must be murdered. And he was called, it was called the massacre of the innocents. He was that terrible, that strange. He was that afraid of Christmas happening. Now you don't have that kind of fear. But I know a lot of people who are afraid to get to know God. They have three fundamental fears in their heart. If I really open up my life to Christ, I'll lose my freedom. I can't do what I want to do. I'll lose my fun. I'll become a fanatic, some crazy Christian lunatic. I'll walk around in polyester pants and big hair and say, hey, you must be born again. Repent. And act like some religious nutcase. When you invite Christ into your life, he doesn't make you more religious. He makes you more human. St. Irenaeus said, the glory of God is a human being fully alive. You're not really living. You're just existing if you're not connected to the creator who made you. The bottom line is this. We were made by God. And until you understand that, your life is never going to make sense. You could try to find life in, in making money, having fun, having a great golf game, having pleasure, passion, possession, position, sex status, salary. You can try all those different things. To fill the empty void, that hole in your heart, a God-shaped hole that only God can fill because you were made by God and you were made for him. And until you understand that, life isn't going to make a lot of sense. And the only reason you're alive is God made you to love you. He wants you to learn to love him back. God knows everything about you. He knows you know almost nothing about him, though. God wants you to have a friendship with him. That's why he came to earth in human form, so he can save us, so he can restore that relationship. So he says, I want you to get rid of your fear. Bottom line on Herod is that Herod's deepest fear was this. I don't want anyone to be in control except me. Now that sounds familiar. I don't want anyone to be in control except me. I don't want anyone else to be king. I want to be king. And that's why a lot of people fear God, because the bottom line is they want to be God. I want to run my own life. I want to be my own God. I want to call my own shots. I don't want to have to serve anybody. I just want to serve myself. I want to be my own God. It's the Herod mentality. I'm not going to let anybody else be king in my life, not even God who made me. That fear caused him to say, I don't have any interest. Herod the king was five miles away from Jesus. 
Herod could have gone and visited the king of kings, but he didn't. First Timothy 6 says some people have missed the most important thing in their life. They don't know God. You can know all kinds of stuff, but if you don't know God, you miss the purpose. Because you weren't put on this planet to mark things off your to-do list. You weren't put here to advance in your career. You were put here to get to know the Lord. And to be prepared for being with him forever and eternity. So which of these three in your life causes you to miss Christmas, despite it being everywhere? Is it being too busy? You got too much stuff going on? Are you too familiar with it? You have been through so many Christmases, it's lost its uniqueness. Or are you afraid of God to be the king in your life because you like the control? Now, for me, it's familiarity. I've been through this so many times that I can just kind of miss it. So how do we not miss it? If busyness and familiarity and apathy and unconcern and fear or anxiety over what's about to happen, if I really open up my life to God, if these things keep me from knowing Christ, from understanding the true meaning of Christmas, how do I not miss it? Well, I hate to do this to you, but we'll have to answer that question next week as we ran out of time. So this week, as we wait for next week, to find out what we can do to not miss it. Look at which one of these three and help ask God to say, which one of these three causes me to possibly miss out on Christmas? And how do I understand that? And how do I fight that? And we'll answer that next week. So God bless, and I'll see you in the next pod.